25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What's up? Hey, everybody. There's plenty of coffee in the thermos, and we've got another hour to go, and I am looking forward to it. I really am glad you're here because there is a lot to get into and a lot to cover and a whole bunch of texts that old Matt hasn't gotten to yet, and it ain't nobody's fault but his, mine, and I'm going to get to him right now in the Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. It's the way it is, and it's the way it ought to be. We stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. First, though, Roger, there is breaking news on the show. Well, I wish I had known. <laughs> a little advance warning would have been great, huh? Yeah, it would be really But cool. don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, th- you're going to find this very interesting. Yeah! <clears throat> and now to our anchor, Matt Wyatt. Thank you, Roger. What was the guy's name again on Price is Right? Oh, Rob Roddy. Rob Roddy. That ain't his real name, is it? Nobody is named Rob Roddy in real life. It's not his name. It may have been Rod Roddy. <clears throat> Make it Rod. even more or less likely. <laughs> Was it? You think he started out as a re- radio guy? Almost bet you he did. Probably did. He was good. Okay, so here is the news. I retweeted it uh, just a few minutes ago. You can see it on my Twitter feed, a link there if you want it. From the Mississippi Forestry Commission, Governor Phil Bryant has lifted the statewide burn ban effective immediately. Individual county burn bans remain, and you're going to visit the website, MFC, which stands for Mississippi Forestry Commission, mfc.ms.gov. Okay, there's a link there on my Twitter page. The hashtag MS Forestry will also provide you tweets with the link. So the statewide burn ban is lifted. However, there are certain counties that are still under the ban for just a few more days. Okay? Just a few more days. And you can see them all right there on the website there. Look up the Mississippi Forestry Commission. And they're all updated. For instance, my home county of Lee County. County seat, Tupelo. Birthplace of Elvis Presley. Lee County. The the date of the burn ban expires on 
October the 24th. So we still got 10 days to go in my home county. But you see what I'm saying? So the statewide thing is lifted. Individual county. There are some that are on into November, a few. There are some that end tomorrow, like Pike County. The burn ban is lifted in Pike County as of tomorrow. Tallahatchie County, they are under a burn ban still until further notice. So check the county that you are in. I just wanted to get that in there. So there. It looks like I, I could go burn burn my yard if I want to. Which county are you in? Madison. Let's see here. I'm going to look it up here. Madison. Because it's not on the list. No. I guess if, we were covered only by the state. That's band. it. So if your county is not on the list, then you're good to go. Yeah, we got a little little sprinkling yesterday. My friend John Pitts, the sports editor of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, retweeted that link and said, oh, good, I'm going to go burn one right now. <laughs> That's what he said. Take that for what you will. Okay, so burn ban statewide lifted. Some counties remain. Check those out. Um, coming up, we're going to get to all these texts, Rick and Eric and Chad and Rebel John and QB1 and Tim and everybody. <clears throat> okay, we're still blowing and going on Facebook. I'll get you pulled up there. For the time being, though, what I would like to do, Everybody's talking about Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State, and this loss to Tennessee. I did get a tweet from VFL in MS. It stands for Vol for Life in Mississippi. Uh, 3D Turner 27 said, I hate that you're not giving the UT defense any credit. The first time this year that they have swarmed to the ball every play and actually looked like they knew what they were doing and playing inspired. No need to refer to them as, quote, that defense. <laughs> well, I'm really sorry. But they're not very good. I and think they're making your point. They are. It, you know, and here's the thing about this. It's the first time this year they've looked like they knew what they were doing and swarming to the defense. Well, part of that is because of who they were playing and State was not playing well on Saturday at all, at all, and, and not playing fast. And it made Tennessee look better than they really are. Seven sacks. Let me just go ahead and tell you, VFL and MS, that defense for Tennessee will not approach seven sacks in a single game for the rest of the year. That's what I'm talking about. You know, congrats on swarming to the ball, but frankly, that's baseline for any defense ought to be swarming to the ball. All right. Long night on Rocky Top. It was. By the way, the halftime show was fantastic. They had a live bluegrass band down on the field playing along with the band. It was fantastic. Halftime show. They do it right. Okay. Um, we're going to listen in. We have time to do this. It's, it's our show. We can do what we want. We're going to listen in here to a few minutes of Joe Moorhead in the early part of his press conference. Today, this was just a little bit ago. He took the podium. So you'll be hearing this for the first time, if I can get it to play for you. Start off by uh, <coughs> excuse me, recapping the Tennessee game. Uh, entering the week, um, we talked to the team about the three things that were necessary to, to win the game, and that was preparation, physicality, and precision. Like I said to win a road SEC game in a challenging environment, uh, and none of those things happened. Uh, they didn't. And um, we talked to our kids all the time about the differences between, between reasons and excuses, and at the end of the day, there is no excuse. Uh, we were outcoached. We were outplayed uh, with 13 days to prepare. We need to, we can, and we will do better uh, because our program and our, and our fans deserve it. And uh, as a head coach, 
you know, it's my responsibility to make sure that happens, and uh, you know, and it does. It falls squarely on my shoulders. Um, you know, th this game and coaching in, in the SEC uh, for about a year and a half now, in a lot of ways, has been a, a humbling experience. Uh, I, I don't think you get to this point where I am without a certain level of success and a certain level of confidence. Uh, but this game and, and the SEC, uh, you know, it has a way of keeping you honest. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, you look at, you know, this week with our game and then you look across the, uh, the board and, you know, South Carolina beating Georgia and, and some of the other things that happened, Texas A&M being 3-3, three and three, you know, Kentucky coming off of a 10-win season and, and them being 3-3 three and three, that uh, the margin of error in, in this conference is small. And, uh, you know, it has been something that on a, on a daily basis that, it, that I'm learning from and getting better uh, when you're coaching against the best of the best on a weekly basis. You know, and, uh, you know, Tyler, uh, you know, early, I think it was last week, you know, asked me a, uh, a very you know, pointed question about the, uh, the criticism uh, and kind of some of the outside noise. You know, I think it was more specific to the uh, Auburn game than it was an overall critique of the direction of the program. And that's why I think Tyler, Tyler is a, a good young aspiring writer because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question, you know, designed to elicit emotional response from me because he understands my, my competitiveness and, and, how, and how those things kind of, you know, knife, knife at you a little bit. And, uh, you know, I made a tongue-in-cheek remark, and, and I said it, it, it wasn't going to affect my approach because it doesn't. But uh, at, the, at the end of the day, the, the people who know me best in this world, uh, they, they do know that I, that I am a people pleaser. And, uh, and nothing means more to me than to bring a consistently successful championship-level program to Mississippi State. And uh, every waking moment of my life is spent, not spent with my family, is utilizing an effort to make it happen, and and that's why making losing it's what making makes what lose it makes losing games so difficult uh, because of the investment, and and it's not just a loss; uh, it crushes your soul, and, and you never you never get over it. You, you you learn to live with it, and you know you know there may be people that that watch the game and they get mad and and deservedly kind of point out some things and they go on about their day and cut their grass and go to church and go out to the, have a meal and you know go on to their job, but. You know, for, for us, uh, you know, at Festers, and, and I take the responsibility of running this program, our 120 student athletes, our 40 staff members, our students, our administrators, our faculty members, and our great fans very seriously, and uh, treat it with, with a sacred respect, and I'm doing it to the, to the absolute best of my ability. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not a Bible thumper by any means, uh, but I am, a, I am a man of God, and I, I do believe that I was led to to this path at Mississippi State over other opportunities to achieve great things, and I remain steadfast in my belief that, that we are going to do it. Uh, still have unbelievable support, you know, obviously from my, my parents back home in Pittsburgh, my brothers and sisters. Uh, my brother lives in Minneapolis, and they're, they're rocking the maroon and white uh, in Western PA and in Minneapolis and supporting the Bulldogs. You know, my wonderful wife and kids, you know, who, who are part of the, uh, you know, Starkville public school system. and. You know, you talk about investment, and you know, my daughter's down on the field after the game with me. Uh, you know, she's crying, you know, because she's upset. Number one, because she understands football, and uh, you know what Mississippi State means to her, and what it means to me. You know, and to, and to have to stand there on the field and console your 18-year-old freshman daughter because she's crying. Not only that, because uh, you know, you, you hear a few fans. You know, she's walking down and walking out of the stadium, telling her that her dad sucks and. You know, they were right on this date. I, I did suck, but you know that, that that's part of it, and you know the support you get from your family means everything. And you know certainly, you know her, my wife, my boys, and her play a huge part in that. Our coaches, our players, our administrators, our boosters, our fans, 
uh, our recruits. I, I can't tell you the number of times in the past three days that I've gotten a text, that I've gotten an email, I've gotten a DM from a Strange Brew Coffee House with an interesting gift of support. Uh, they're, they're the best, uh, you know, from ex-players, from people on campus, and, uh, you know, particularly our, our recruits who are committed. And, and I didn't even have to reach out to some of them. You know, by the time I got, you know, back to my phone and, you know, on the way home, you know, Coach Moorhead, we know you're a great coach. We know you got this. Just keep plugging away. And I've talked to you guys how about how I communicate with 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 uh, the recruits and their families on a daily basis, and kind of send a post game you know text message out to all of them yesterday. You know, within five minutes there were 15 responses talking about you know, and, and the message of it was, you know, it, it's not apparent to people right away uh, because we live in an instant gratification society that it takes time to build things special and that the process is occurring and sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. That it takes time and space to gain perspective. And, uh, you know, All right, so uh, that's a little bit of the first part of the press conference. I thought it was good. I actually had someone send me a note that said, hey, you need to check it out. Uh, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. You know, it's kind of a personal side of of Joe. Uh, really, of any coach, there's a personal side to, to any coach, um, to any coach and their family that um, you don't always get to see. So, you know, let's get into some of that. We'll do that today. And I've got plenty of texts and your questions to make up uh, you know, some time here that we didn't get to them in the first hour. Uh, so we'll get to those coming up. Now, if you want to be a part of the show, if you're watching, uh, you can see the numbers. If you're listening, I'm going to give them to you here. The Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. You want to text the show, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. <clears throat> All right, let's jump in. Unnamed texture. Matt, you talk about preparation, being able to play hard because you know what you're doing. A, a knock on Mullen's offense was it was extremely simplistic. However, it seemed that Moorhead's offense is too complicated. In football, where you smash heads repeatedly, give me simple over complicated. That's why teams who keep it simple, stupid, are so successful. And, you know, one might argue that there's a short-term approach and a long-term approach, and that it, a lot of times those two don't look a lot alike. You could argue that. Um, and I certainly understand the thinking from any football coach that, you know, might take the approach. And again, I'm not taking words. I'm not taking these words from Joe Moorhead. I'm just saying more observational than anything else. I can see it from any coach's perspective that might go, okay, look, our players, especially our young ones, have to have game experience working these things and doing these things we're asking them to do, reading the things and seeing it, they got to have game experience in it. Practice won't replicate it. We got to try it in a game. And that may mean sometimes taking some lumps to get it to where a point where then when they're juniors and seniors, they can walk out there and do it. And they've got the experience. I can understand that, you know, and, and in the case of Mississippi state, a lot is, we talk a lot about Mullen <clears throat> and it is true. That, you know, I thought he was very good team after team, year after year, at really, you know, taking out that, not the big chisel, but then taking out that fine whittling tool and just kind of scraping away all the excess of things that they didn't have confidence in. And you just had this little ball of, <laughs> of you know, a package that 
we can we can do these things, and we're just going to go do it. And we don't really care what they line up in. We're just going to go do this. This is what we can do. And so what did you get? You had three-fourths of your fan base stomping and kicking and screaming about, air quotes here, running Holloway up the middle. Not creative enough. Well, it could have just been that he's just calling stuff that he knew his players knew how to execute it. And you didn't like it because you were a fan up in the stands and it looked like we were just running Holloway up the middle. When in actuality, it was a read play. And the defense was making sure you gave it to Holloway up the middle. They're smart too. But Mullen's just calling it because that's the way he did things. And so in a lot of those teams, you had a very consistent level of performance. Very little ups beating an LSU in Baton Rouge. Very few downs losing to South Alabama at home. But for the most part, very consistent. But what that kept, what that did is over the course of Mullen's career at State, they never really went out there and were rocky knocking off the Russian. They didn't really do what Ole Miss did, did they? And that is figure out a way to rear back and throw this haymaker and boom, knock out Alabama twice. Mullen just didn't do that. But they were consistent. Consistent level of performance. If we're better than you, we beat you. If we're not, if you're more talented, you beat us. So with that said, maybe there's something to the idea that if you ever want to do something special, you got to be really good. You've got to take some chances um, above that. But, but also there's the element of now. And just like Moorhead said there, you know, this game, but also the conference will humble you. There is a lot of truth to the Southeastern Conference is a different animal. The bad teams are not that bad. They can beat you if you don't play well. Ask Georgia. He brought it up. All right. Rick wanted to tell Lynn, who called in earlier, the measure of being soft isn't how you act when facing someone smaller or less talented than you. Being soft is shown up by how you react against someone just as big and strong and talented as you are. And I do think, I do think that one of the things that that State is going to have to really take a good close, hard look at is off-season strength and conditioning as it pertains to the physicality you can play with. Some of that's talent, but I do think they can take a look at that. Frankly, you can always do more. And with what's going on with this team, I think it's pretty evident they can do better. Eric says, I don't understand the complexity of the offense argument when Joe Brady got the same offense up and running at LSU in a few months, uh, maybe Joe Mo needs to dumb it down if that is the case. Well, you know, and what I would tell you, Eric, is what LSU is doing is not very complex. Because they are so talented, they don't really have to trick anybody. They really don't. They're not doing a lot of things that are very complex. They're just doing some simple things very, very well. You know, throwing a ball down the field, the receivers are great. Picking out a one-on-one, throw a fade over somebody's head. I'm not saying that it is dumbed down. I'm just saying that I don't look at LSU's scheme as being incredibly complicated. I look at it like they are super talented at receiver, 
and they have a quarterback who has put in the work in the offseason with those guys and just found a whole level of confidence in, in that throw game that most teams are looking for and never get there. Uh, Chad. Matt, why does State let the play clock run all the way down to one second so often? A lot of sacks are coming from the blitz knowing they have a, to snap the ball at one second. Chad, that is an excellent point. There were two that this is something that is immediately correctable, fixable. You know, it's not a strength and conditioning thing or whatever. Um there were two times in the game it was two different quarterbacks, once with once with Tommy, once with Schrader, where they um were trying to go quick and they got a illegal formation call because the receivers weren't set when they snapped the ball. And like I say, it happened to two different quarterbacks. Um, you know, also, there were a lot of times, like you say, where you line up, now we're getting the call from the sideline, and now we look back, we run it down close, and yeah, they know they can time that snap because they know you got to get it off. So having a quicker way and routine for lining up after a play, I can tell my players, don't worry about what happened on the play. Line back up as quick as possible, and let's give ourselves more time. That's something that's immediately correctable as well. I love all these texts. Rebel John, I'm getting to yours coming up next. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Yep, did it again, Matt. That's all right, Roger. That's all right. See, I could have got away with it here. Nobody would know. That's right. But your people weren't getting the music, man. Well, that's fine. Uh, Forrest Gump said it. Remember he wiped his face with a T-shirt or whatever and said, it happens. <laughs> and then he's, you know, he was the one who supposedly sparked that big craze, that whole thing. Great movie, Forrest Gump. Awesome. All right, let's do it. Hour number two rolling along here on the show. A ways to go. So I've delayed some of these. A lot of texts to get to. I want to get to some of them now. On the text line, 885-ESPN. You can still call me on the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. Hey, speaking of Divinity, I'm going to be doing the show live this Friday. Coming up this Friday. What is that? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. The 18th. <laughs> this Friday, the 18th, at Divinity Equipment in Madison on Highway 51. So y'all coming out and see us 12 to 2 out there. There's a big car show going on around town, Roger, that's a big deal. And some of them are going to be out there. Uh, so I'll, anyway, I'll give you details on that coming up. That's Another big car show here in, in Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a big European car show last weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. European cars? Yeah, it was all like a, all European. I'm headed out at Renaissance. They all driving on the left side of the road? <laughs> they were scattered all over. There's a lot of cars out there. Okay. 
All right, so um, here we go. The text line, unnamed texter, says, Matt, does it just flat out take an Ivy League team to run Moorhead's offense? I don't like saying our guys can't learn it, and I thought people had said before that it was easy, but if the players are confused still, then that apparently is not the case, right? Well, no, it's not the case. It does not take Ivy League players to learn that offense. In fact, maybe just the opposite. Because you, well, there are certain things you have to be able to do. <laughs> there's a nice little, <laughs> there's a nice little convergence of the mental ability and the physical ability to pull some of the things off that you have to do. But I get what you're saying. Um, look, only they had a tutor. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's another problem. Some players aren't out there. Um, I think the but, effect of that, I, those fears early on, are being realized. That's my. Yeah. Worthless opinion. No, I think there's something to that also. It does make it tough. It does. But the biggest thing that I was saying earlier, no, um, <clears throat> you're playing some first-year players. Um, there are times when they're not where they're supposed to be or doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that everybody does have to think. Everybody does have to read. And I think it's not a matter of can, it's just a, ma- a matter of are they ready to do it? It's like Roger at the radio station. There was a period of time when Ben first came to work there where he might not have been ready to jump out there and run a two-hour radio show by himself. And there might be some people who are learning to do what Roger does, and it takes them a little longer to learn it than others. It doesn't mean they can't. It just takes a little longer sometimes. It's the same way in anything. And that may be what we're seeing here. Now, yes, it is the coach's job to make sure players know what to do and are ready to do it by the time you put them in a game and call it. That's the coach's job. And any coach who's being honest will take responsibility for that. I hear Moorhead. I hear others. They take responsibility for that. Sometimes practice will fool you as opposed to games. And I think what's happening is Week in and week out, I think Joe Moorhead and his staff, too, are learning you know, a little more about what they can and can't do. The quarterback thing has a lot to do with it. But again, I don't think it's as much a quarterback issue as it is a team issue. <laughs> I mean, we have not touched in this hour much on the offensive line, but there's something not right in the effort and execution on that offensive line when you go play a Tennessee team that is not one of the better teams on your schedule. And you go play them with your offensive line and your running back, and your running back has 11, 13 yards on 11 carries. And the to the Tennessee fan who took issue with me saying that as, as taking a shot at the Tennessee defense earlier in the show, I'm not taking a shot. I'm saying it like it is. They're not good. They haven't been good. They lost at home to Georgia somebody. Not Georgia, Georgia somebody. They have not been good. They aren't going to be good in a lot of the games going forward. They're not very good. Yet, without doing a whole lot of blitzing and strange looks and stuff, they just stepped out there and, for the better part of the game, just manhandled State's running attack. And that's not a talent issue. (laughs) That's something else. It, you know, I came away from the game wondering, you know, how well is that offensive line coach? What's how could they 
play that poorly. Now, sure, Tennessee maybe played well, but look, man, you're about to play LSU. You're about to play Texas A&M on the road. In a few weeks, you're going to have Alabama. <laughs> Not taking a shot at Tennessee. I'm just t- telling you what it, you know. It is what it is. Uh, Alabama. <laughs> thank you, Better Forrest. Late than never right. Thank you, Forrest. Um, unnamed texter, Matt. Anything state fans should be enthused about this weekend for the LSU game? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Anything can happen. A few weeks ago, South Carolina fans thought that they had a terrible football team. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. And they went to Georgia and beat them this past weekend. And um, I would say look forward to the weather. The weather is going to be phenomenal. Uh, 2.30 kickoff, that's great. How are the beer sales going? Well, you bring up a sore spot there, Roger. No beer mm-hmm. sales in home games at State. You're you saying at Jackson State now. Well, but you're saying that that would, like in the movie Field of Dreams, that would ease his pain just a little bit if he could buy <laughs> beer. <laughs> it seems like that's very game. important to some people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They let me, still have to carry all their beer. <laughs> I, all right. I'm going to go two minutes here, like a two-minute drill, go fast on some texts. Uh, unnamed texture. Where's the emotion? Where's the pride? Where's the swagger we used to have? Someone on offense and defense needs to step up and be a leader and bring that fight back to this team. It's hard to play with emotion when you co- when your coach sits there and shows zero. I will tell you again, whether or not a coach shows emotion on a sideline is meaningless. It means nothing. It is the most overrated and underrated thing that fans pay attention to. Whether or not a coach shows emotion is something that you and only you as a fan see or care about players don't care and it does not matter rebel john on the text line what's your take on Ole miss they really got outplayed but also beat themselves up with penalties but at the end of the day they they were still in the game my take with Ole miss is they are not the most talented but they are coached well they are playing really hard um they make a lot of mistakes Okay, and now you go, well, you just said they're coached well. What I mean by that is they you can tell that really on both sides of the ball, they have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. And so, therefore, like you say, they snap the ball, they fire off, they play with some confidence. Even though they get out of place at times or whatever, they kind of play fast on both sides of the ball. And you can tell there's some confidence. That's what I mean by, by coach well. And they do hurt themselves. They've got a lot of young players on the field that at times, you know, you see a penalty here or a, you know, a missed assignment there that it does really hurt them. But overall, I watch them, and I say the same thing I said earlier in the year, and there were some Ole Miss fans that didn't like it, actually called in and had words with me about it. I said it was blah, blah, blah. But I said that Matt Luke was doing a good job because he had, he had those guys lining up, playing their butts off. That's a good Missouri team that they went to, and you're right. They gave them a little bit of a fight up there. They sure did. And, you know, they just they have the look of a team that, that knows they're not world beaters, but that they're having a lot of fun playing together. That's kind of the way it looks right now for Ole Miss. Even though they're not winning a lot, a lot, they still have the look of a team that's having some fun playing together. Don't they? All right, more text to get to. Going to hit all of them when we come back. Here on the show, in the Farm Bureau studio, stick around. You're listening to the Farm Bureau 
listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Told you all about a month ago that this kind of thing would start happening, and it is. Uh, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports covers the NFL draft uh, for Yahoo. Tweeted, Joe Burrow over to Atangavaloa. There will not be a consensus on the 2020 NFL draft QBs, but it would not be stunning to see some teams rate Joe over Tua when it's all said and done. And like I said, I told you about a month ago, hey, just watch for that. If he keeps it up, they're going to start talking about him as, you know, being going in the draft ahead of Tua Tagovailoa, And indeed, that's starting to happen. It just, you know, if he keeps it up, some teams are going to use it a mark against Joe Burrow in their evaluation, just saying, you know, you really want three full years of starting games in college, to to have a, a, a true sample size to really evaluate one. I think that was an old Bill Parcells thing that everybody, a lot of people in the NFL kind of stick to. You'll have only two years at LSU, but I think at this point it's pretty obvious he is the real deal. It, it will depend on kind of what situation he goes to and where in the NFL. And the other thing, too, that they will evaluate is they'll look at last year when there was some pressure and the offense being a little more balanced – but there was also a little more pressure on him at times. How did he perform then? That being his first year, okay, second year, lots of improvement as you would expect. And in a year where, to this point, there hasn't been a lot of pressure on Burrow. And they're not really trying to be that balanced. They really are airing it out. He's really delivering the football. But, yeah, I mean, I, most most NFL teams are really going to like him. And if he keeps it up, I mean, he is the real deal. They are going to start talking about taking him ahead of Tua Tonga-Valoa. We can just go ahead and and get ready for that. All right, text line. QB1 says, do we win a game the rest of the season? I mean, Abilene Christian scores 34 points a game, and we rank 75th in defense. State will beat Abilene Christian. Um, The question will be those Arkansas and Ole Miss games. You know, and right now, if you played them after what you saw in Knoxville, the same kind of effort that you got in Knoxville – offensively and on special teams, um, will get you beat at Arkansas, even. It will certainly get you beat against Ole Miss. And so you better figure some things out and get to playing better. I think naming Garrett Schrader the starting quarterback, which they did, told you in hour one they'd do it, and they did it in hour one in the press conference. Uh, He'll be the QB going forward. Uh, naming him the quarterback going forward probably does help you from a preparation standpoint. It is going to help that offense, I believe, because it will take some things away and pare it down just a little bit where everybody can really just focus on doing those things, which they seem to be a little more confident while he's in there also because the defense always respects his ability to run the ball. Um, I've used this example before, but I remember a 2007 Mississippi State team went to Auburn and won. Even though the first and second string quarterbacks got hurt and they had to play a true freshman. And the offense actually took off when Wesley Carroll, that true freshman, went in the game. 
I say took off, they started running the ball more effectively. And I believe the reason is they were kind of a check-with-me offense. They're calling two plays in the huddle, going to the line of scrimmage, and looking at the defensive front going, all right, blue 25, blue 25. And that's when the offensive line now knew what we were running based on the defensive look, said hut. So everybody's coming out of the huddle thinking, we got to get up here and read it, and we'll find out at the last minute what we're doing. Well, when they put Wesley Carroll in the game, he wasn't doing those things. He wasn't prepared and ready to do those things. So they were calling one play in the huddle. Hey, boys, let's run this. And they say, ready, break. And they already knew what they were running. We're not checking out of it. So you better just fire off and hit somebody. <laughs> you better do it full speed. So there was less thinking. And then all of a sudden there was more of a physical effort because, A, they had to have it. And, B, they weren't thinking. They were just playing. Sometimes that can be a big advantage when you're trying to get get the, the train back on the track, so to speak. Here's a text. How about them Golden Eagles? Jack Abraham is a stud. No doubt, man. That was a big win for them, and they put it on a good North Texas team. Or, you know, they got some talent on that North Texas team. 40-something points in the game. And I saw a stat last week that Jack Abraham and that Southern Miss offense are completing the ball down the field, 20-plus yard throws, like they're top 10 in the country in terms of the efficiency with which they are completing those down-the-field throws. So Jay Hobson really doing a good job with that football team, no doubt about it. More cowbell on the text line says, so Moorhead admits he is still learning and growing, yet he walked into the locker room the first time he met with the team and asked them for their ring size. Yeah, I'm not really sure what those two things have to do with each other. You might have to help me out with that one. Uh, David in Madison said, if we don't get our offense going better by Saturday and our defense has to stay on the field 40 minutes, LSU will score 60. David, if that is true, if the offense doesn't stay on the field some Saturday, LSU will score 60 points. It will happen. So you better get ready. <laughs> you better put Tennessee behind you if you're in that locker room, man. You do not get a break. Bulldog Barney asks Matt, in Coach Joe's presser, he said he is doing the best he can. With that being said, are we looking through foggy glasses and believing um, we have all this great talent that, quite frankly, isn't all that great, or... Is it that we do have great talent and he just really can't do with it what he thought he could do? Not being mean, asking for reality. Look, I think that you, you know, you probably, I was higher on the offense coming into the preseason after watching practice with Tommy Stevens, a healthy Tommy Stevens, that they had a chance to be much better. And they did. I felt, I still feel like they did have a chance to be much better. Better at receiver. I thought they were going to be better at quarterback. Um, I believe what we saw Saturday is that, you know, the in and out and the, the injured nature of the quarterback position for several weeks in a row has really hindered the whole thing. Yes. And it's also hindered the confidence of the whole thing in the quarterback position while Tommy was in there. And also, I think I saw what injuries can do to a guy. Tommy hadn't played a lot of football, hadn't started a lot of football. He's never really had to keep coming back and play through it. And I think what I saw is 
you know, a, a quarterback who the the threat of the of getting re-injured is having a great effect on him. And it's just it's just throwing a kink in the whole deal. And so I think going forward, uh, going forward, they have to commit to Garrett Schrader. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of a future thing involved. The team seems to run the ball better when he's in there because he runs the ball better. And also with him in there, maybe it simplifies your pass game a little bit. You can get something going. But, you know, he's saying, okay, you said he said he's doing the best that he can. Are you believe? Are we believing that you have greater talent than you have, or are you unable to do? I think it's a little bit of both. One is probably you maybe overevaluated some of the talent. The other thing is not really having a clear identity yet, and which that you can see, this clear identity of what we are and what we're trying to do on offense just has not developed. Look at here, somebody texts in the show says hashtag beat LSU. Time to get positive, even if I may not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good and that's good um, and then he said yet Reese gets player of the week well yes one offensive lineman I'll go back and watch it you know you can too we can all go back and watch see what we think maybe there's some other issues in there we'll look and see I just can't be convinced that you've done what you're supposed to do on the offensive line against Tennessee when Colin Hill gets 11 carries and goes for 13 yards. And the leading rusher is a quarterback who played only in the second half. Somebody texted in and said, is it too late to start selling booze at Davis Wade? Lord knows we need it. <laughs> your sound's not working on your uh, Facebook. I turned it off. Yeah, because it was messed up. We're still stri- we're still streaming on uh, Periscope. Yeah, um, it's funny though, Roger, isn't it? Like they they watch the stream on Facebook, but then they text us on the text line to let us know stuff. <laughs> Pretty cool. You're a multimedia operator, um, right? Uh, or I fancy myself, right? Anyway, I like the other person's positive thinking. I know I don't like it, but I mean it's funny. Resdog says I am positive. I'm positive we'll lose to LSU. <laughs> we'll just go to the game and eat some good food and enjoy the weather and have some fun. Because pretty soon football season will be over and it'll be cold and winter outside and you'll be upset. Didn't LSU, last time they came, they they went away disappointed, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They sure did. I was there for that game. And, and they looked like people who weren't used to that experience. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, State, well, State beat the tar out of them that, that day. Yeah. That was, I think, Ed Ogeron's first year. Tim, yeah. a lot of text from Tim today on the show. He said, Tennessee has talent. It's got nothing to do with end result, but it has everything to do with the emotion, and this is an emotional game. And then he says, great show today. Really enjoyed it. And he sent me a whole bunch of emojis, and I don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> a smiley face. I know that one. Yeah, okay, got it. Thanks, Tim. All right, enjoyed the Monday show. Let's do it again tomorrow, shall we? Let's do it. See you then. See you.